This episode is brought to you by Moft. I love a good phone or tablet accessory, but I need them to be sleek and useful. That's why I love Moft. Moft creates portable, easy-to-use productivity accessories, which enable you to work anywhere via unique, smart design. Inspired by origami, these lightweight, foldable accessories are the perfect combination of form and factor. I have several, but my favorite is the folding stand and case for iPad. It's perfect whether I use the iPad to read, sketch, or write. It's sturdy, and the full extension makes it my own portable desktop computer. If you're looking for the perfect productivity accessories for your devices, go with Moft. For a limited time, you can get 10% off your entire purchase by going to howibuilt.it slash moft and using the code JOE10 at checkout. That's howibuilt.it slash M-O-F-T and using the code J-O-E-1-0. When I was in college, building a community felt pretty easy. Have some event, get free food, people come, people talk. I was on the events planning committee for my college all four years. This happened all the time. Campus events, weekends at bars, over the summer for something that we cleverly and fondly called midsummers. So I thought building a community online would be simple, easier even. There are no geographic boundaries. I would just invite people to come to my community and they would come and they'd hang out. But that didn't happen. In fact, my community was a barren wasteland. And in July, I decided to shut down that aspect of my membership. So what went wrong? Well, I think there are a few reasons. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode. I'm going to go through the four things I think I did to mess up my chances of creating a good community, my plans for the future, and then in build something more, the big fat question of platform. So if you are interested in me going through some options for where to host my community, you can become a member and get ad-free extended episodes of this and every How I Built It over at joincreatorcrew.com. I want to thank Moft, Nexus, and LearnDash for sponsoring today's episode. You'll hear about them more later on in the show. You'll be able to find all the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 282. But for now, let's get on to the intro and then the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast where you get free coaching calls from successful creators. Each week, you get actionable advice on how you can build a better content business to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. All right, so let's dive into this solo episode of How I Built It where I talk about how I built it and then failed. Because building a community is not as easy as you'd think if you read some thoughts, especially from the height of the pandemic and how important it was to build a community. And I've been trying to build a community, quote unquote, build a community for a while, since pre-pandemic. 
but let's let's kind of look at what happened where I went wrong. The four things I did wrong, and then we'll dive into each of these, is I launched one too late. I failed at helping my members form a good habit. I moved around too much and I changed strategies too much. So let's dig into each of those. First, I launched one too late. I had two to three very successful course launches and I should have had something ready for the community before those course launches. And I know hindsight is 2020, but I was really more focused on building and marketing the course than I was creating a place for students to go and ask questions and hang out. So my first successful course launch was in 2017, I think. Um, And it was an intro to Beaver Builder course. Lots of people were buying that course over the course of a few days, over the course um, of a few days. And I didn't do anything to nurture those people. I, I basically said, here's the course, enjoy. And then I made that same mistake with my block editor course and my uh, my other kind of WordPress related courses. And then I made the same mistake with my podcast liftoff related courses the first time around. If I got all of my students in at the same time or had the community ready before surges of sales, it would have been different because I would have been like, go here, introduce yourself. When you get stuck, ask questions here. And each week we'll cover some different topic, right? And and that's another thing I think I could have done differently was drip out some of the content or add more bonus content. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about what I will do in plans for the future, but I didn't launch a community until at least a year after my last successful launch. And by that time, anybody who had taken, especially the Beaver Builder course, was gone. They were no longer engaged. And even the people who most recently bought the course, they were no longer engaged. So I launched this community. I invited a bunch of people and no one was saying anything. Sometimes new students would pop in ask a question. And if I didn't answer fast enough, nobody else answered them. So they decided to not participate anymore. And so that, that I think is the biggest thing that hurt me. I launched my community later than I launched my courses. And as a result, anybody, and these were all self-paced courses too. They were not dripped out. Uh, They weren't cohort-based courses. That was like barely an idea, I feel, back when I launched my first course. Um, And so my audience was cold, was cold and unengaged by the time I launched my community and there was just no getting them back. And that brings me to the second thing I did wrong, which was I failed at helping members form a habit. Everybody I've talked to, most prominently my friend Chris Lemma, but my my friend Emily as well, um, we talk about where to put these communities. And the best option is really where where most of your community has already formed a habit to check. That's why Facebook is so popular still. That's why 
that's why people of my age and in my field uh, certainly prefer Slack over Discord because they're already logged into Slack. They don't have to do any more work. They don't have to download a different thing. And so if you are going to start a different thing, if you're going to use Discord when most of your audience uses Slack, if you're going to use Circle when most of your audience uses Facebook, then you need to make sure you form a habit. So for most of the members and students who do trickle in, there's no incentive to log in every day at this point. Maybe if the community was more active, there would be. But I wasn't very active for a while. I was like posting the same questions every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, thinking that that would get engagement. But people just got tired of answering those questions or didn't care to answer those questions. That wasn't a reason to log. Sharing your midweek win was not a reason to log into Circle every week. Uh, And I, again, I wasn't as creatively engaged as I should have been. Um, I was having my VA, I was having like Zapier and then my VA post those questions when I should have been in there every day, sharing and emailing, um, making sure that people were seeing the things that I was posting to the community. Unlike a college campus or any in-person event, you don't have a built-in mechanism for people to start and continue conversations, right? At an in-person event, people are going to gather around the bar or with the food and they'll just strike up conversations most of the time. At a college campus, you have a fairly captive audience. You have the students who are going to classes, students hanging out on the green, people who are interested in similar extracurricular activities and people going to parties on the weekend. So there was a built-in mechanism to get people together and continue to stay together. In the first point, or in earlier, right, I talked about how there was no geographic barrier for entry, but that geography forced people, especially in a college campus, forced people into the same setting. And so they had no choice, really, but to hang out. Online, you're competing with everything. Everything. Should I log into Joe's community to see if he posted that same post that he did last week? Or should I go to YouTube and watch an entertaining video? Or should I go to Masterclass and learn something? Like, that is, that is the problem that I, uh, that, that is where I failed. Because as the community owner, you need to continually get people into your community. And you can do that with virtual events or networking events or whatever but you need to get them there. I think Jay Klaus does this really effectively. I'm part of his community. And like there is an onboarding process where he forces, he doesn't force you, but he strongly recommends you do these four things on a checklist. One is like create your startup uh, document or video. One is introduce yourself. And then he has regular like hot seat uh, events and, and office hours and things like that. And so he has an engaged community. I thought I could launch a Slack and just let people talk amongst themselves. But that's not the case. That's not how it works. So I think those were really the two biggest problems. I launched one too late and I failed at helping members form a habit to log in to my community every day or every other day. Uh, But there are a couple more which... I'll tell you about after this word from our sponsor. 
This episode is brought to you by LearnDash. Look, I've been making courses for a long time. I've taught at the college level and I've created curriculums for several different organizations, including Udemy, Sessions College, and LinkedIn Learning. When I create my own courses, there's no better option than LearnDash. LearnDash combines cutting-edge e-learning tools with WordPress. They're trusted to power learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and creators worldwide. What makes LearnDash so great is it was created by and is run by people who deeply understand online learning and adds features that are truly helpful for independent course creators. I love the user experience. And now you can import Vimeo and YouTube playlists and have a course created automatically in seconds. I trust LearnDash to run my courses and membership, and you should too. Learn more at howibuilt.it slash LearnDash. Okay, so points one and two, I launched one too late. I failed at helping members form a community. The third one, really the 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 third and fourth one are I think kind of more big, uh, more like, well, not big picture, more like implementation details that I sweated too much. But number three is I moved around too much. So first I was on Slack, then nobody was at Slack. So I moved to Facebook and then nobody was posting to Facebook and I didn't like Facebook. So I moved to Circle. Then I upgraded my Circle from the lower tier to the mid tier to create um, a, a... single sign-on. So when people joined my membership or a course, they didn't have to create a separate login to Circle. I thought that was the barrier. But the problem is I was always worried, too worried about where I was and how that would impact engagement. The truth of the matter is there will always be a number of unengaged people. No community has 100% participation. And if you make it worthwhile, people will participate where your community is. I know that cuts a little bit against the grain of what I said before about like be where your community is. If 90% of your community hangs out on Facebook, you should have a Facebook group. If 90% of your community is already in Slack, then you should have a Slack, right? But if you're starting fresh and people are kind of all over the place, and you want to do things that Facebook or Slack doesn't really support, it'll take a little extra work, but you can form that habit with Circle or Geneva, which is a chat app, um, or Discord, right? There are things that you can do. It's, it's mostly about how you engage. So we've seen successful moves, right? We like, Pat Flynn from SPI moved from Facebook to uh, to Circle. And that, at least from the outside, looked like a successful move. Now, he has a huge community. I I don't have that size audience. But theoretically, if I don't have that size audience, maybe it's a little bit easier for me to get a bunch of people to move over. Hey, are you follow me here. It'll be great for these reasons. But I did move around too much. And so I in an attempt to reduce the amount of friction for new users to come and hang out, I increased the friction for my current members and my current students by making them move around so much. And I probably lost a bunch along the way. 
And I wasn't doing a good job at forming a habit anyway. So I think I moved around too much. And then number four is I changed strategies too much. I didn't have a clear plan, a clear roadmap for how I would engage and grow my audience. So at first it was free. And then I thought, hey, this should be paid. Like this should only be paid because that's a good value add for my membership because my memberships weren't selling as well either. So I thought, oh, I'll just make a paid community. And that's like another thing, right? A little club thing. No, but again, if no one's hanging out, then it's not really a membership perk, is it? And then I tried both and then I tried paid again and the benefits were unclear and the value prop was unclear. And it's because I didn't have a clear roadmap. So the biggest thing that I can do as I consider relaunching a community is make the benefits clear, make the value proposition clear, work events into my schedule. And these are some of the things I have for the plans for the future. So I'll dig deeply into my plans for the future. But first, let's hear from our third and final sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now. Store Builder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling. As someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites, I can tell you that Store Builder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content, and sell. Store Builder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. Okay, so let's talk plans for the future. First, as I record this, there was a super timely episode of Smart Passive Income, Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, with Drew Dillon, founder of Burb.io, I believe. Uh, and he talks about the secret to building the best community online. And I thought, well, well, gosh darn. Uh, this is exactly what I needed. Burb.co. I'm sorry. It was Burb.co. So I thought, well, this is perfect and really timely. And so I had to listen and there were a lot of really good ideas there. And so I'm, I'm going to take some of those ideas and work them. now. I should say I've become very anti-using other people's playbooks. Um, this is something that Kara Chase, she'll, she'll, her episode comes out in a few weeks. But I met her at Crafting Commerce and she talks big about this, right? Because there's always like the playbook and then there's like the secret sauce. And you don't have that person's secret sauce. So like in, in the case of Pat Flynn, for example, uh, he talks about how you can do this and that. And it's very, it's all good advice. But his secret sauce is that he already has a giant audience that he built in 2008. Um, I guess if I'm uh, to pick on myself, right, I tell people how they can get sponsors. My secret sauce is a good network that I've already built, right? So really part of my teaching is, is how to build and tap your network. But if I'm just saying like, you can get sponsors without zero downloads, you, people should know that my secret sauce was having a good network of people uh, that I was able to tap. So there's that, always that secret sauce. That said, Good advice is still good advice. 
I wouldn't have this podcast if I didn't think that the advice I give and get on this show are worth publishing. And so Pat's episode with Drew Dillon was fantastic. There are a few things that he mentioned that I'm going to do to get more people into my community. These are things that were kind of always in the back of my head. So I'll talk about like how hearing Drew and Pat talk about it helps solidify these ideas based on what I was doing previously. Uh, And the first is do more events. Also, I I should say, I will link that SPI episode in the show notes, which again, you can find over at howibuilt.it slash 282. Howibuilt.it slash 282. Um, So number one is do more events. Drew talks about how events give people an incentive to log into and be part of the community. I was trying to do this more towards the end. I would try to have monthly or fortnightly kind of office hours where people would come and we would chit chat. One of the problems though was my schedule was pretty capricious up until like mid-June or the end of June because I was kind of at the whim of my wife's work schedule before all of my kids were in daycare. And so now my schedule is a lot more predictable. Uh, And as a result... I can have these kind of set or standing events or even not, right? I don't, they don't have to be set or standing. Like Jay doesn't have a standing event every third Friday for like morning coffee. He creates and invites people that way, like in, in the moment. And I realized that like, oh, I can just like spin up a Zoom call and email my members. But having a central place to do this, this is like Circle does this, I think, especially well. Is is being having these events, these easy to RSVP to events. So I think that's probably if I'm if I'm like keeping score in my head, like Circle is a good place for that. If I'm going to do these events, but you know these morning coffee office hours or um, at the University of Scranton, we called them lunch and learns, and they were like half hour presentations over lunch, maybe something like that, where I get people into the habit of logging into the community, at the very least to RSVP to these events and then post questions for the event. And I think that will do well. And this this coincides with another experiment for webinars I'm working on because I recently had a paid workshop that didn't go well. And I thought perhaps free webinars are the way to go for a bit while I build my audience a little bit more. So do more events. Maybe these events coincide with my community. One of the strategies I'm currently thinking through is should this be free or paid or both? I'm thinking it'll be both. And there'll be a free part of the community and a paid part of the community. But I think I want to talk to some other experts about that and see like what they've tried that works, what hasn't worked, what the incentive is. Etc. Uh, number two is invite my coaching clients into the community. This was like, I never even considered this. And maybe it's because I don't have that many coaching clients yet. But like, this is a perfect idea, right? Because it gives a kind of a central place for us to hang out if they want to send me questions in real time or post questions that they're having to a, a coaching client only area. And then they can exchange notes like this just makes sense. And I'm really mad at myself for not thinking of it myself. So kudos to Drew uh, for, for that idea. 
highlight my members more. This was something again that I tried to do, but I think I I made the I made the barrier a little bit too high because I was just like, do it here, like fill out this form if you're interested. And in my experience, if you want people to do something, you have to ask for it. So in the future, if I do this again, I'm going to individually reach out to members and be like, hey, I'd really want to highlight this area of your expertise. Do you want to come on a, a members only? Or maybe even not, maybe an episode of this, right? Because that was the other thing. I was like, I'll have a members only version of the podcast where I highlight other members of the community. No, I should highlight members of the community to the public because I want to show people how great these, these members are, members of the creator crew. So highlight my members more. And then create content in the community to get people to log in. This was something I went back and forth on as well. I was publishing content only to the community. I didn't have email notifications on. I didn't want to bother people with email. But here's the thing. They could shut those emails off, right? So I also felt like they should have an RSS feed if they want it. And again, I think I overthought this. So... In the future, yes, there is going to be content that is only available inside the community, whatever that, whatever that, um, whatever that implementation is. There's like a circle clone that's a WordPress plugin, and okay, I'm not really a big like WordPress should be everything, but if this is like lightweight and it works, great. Otherwise, maybe I'll go back to Circle. Maybe I'll try something else. Maybe I'll try Discord. I probably won't because Discord scares and confuses me. But if you want to hear more of these musings, this is what Build Something More is about. You can become a member over at howibuilt.it slash 282 or directly over at joincreatorcrew.com. But those are the things that I'm thinking. Create content to get people to log in. This is exclusive content. And if people want it, they log into the community and then they can engage with that content. So I I tried doing AMAs for a while in the community, but like I didn't really commit to that. And again, I didn't email my members to let them know they were happening. I just posted and I'm like, if they're logging in, they'll see it. But if they're logging in, they're already engaged. I want to increase engagement. So maybe I'll do those AMAs, but I I will definitely like email my list, even of non-members. Like maybe that's an incentive. So this is all things I got to think through. But I, I think... I'm feeling more positively about a community than I was back in July when I shut down the Circle community. Um, And if you're wondering, did I make the right decision? Exactly one person in the intervening six weeks since I shut it down has asked me about it. Uh, So, yes, I made the right decision. Uh, But that's it for this episode of How I Built It. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Thank you to Moft Nexus and Learn Dash for sponsoring. Definitely check them out and let them know. I sent you because their support means a lot to me and they will continue to support the show if uh, they're they're getting good conversions or whatever. Um, so if you enjoyed this episode, I'm going to ask you to give me a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. I'm trying a little experiment, which I talk about on Make Money Podcasting, but I'm wondering if leveraging Apple Podcasts is a good way for growth. We'll see. So if you listen to Apple Podcasts, give me a rating and review. If you don't listen to Apple Podcasts, naturally, give me a rating and review wherever you listen. Or 
uh, just say hello on Twitter and tell me you appreciate or hated this episode. Um, and and again, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Stick around if you're a member because Build Something More is happening right after. I say this. Until next time, get out there and build something. 